You're listening to XVGM Radio. Welcome to XVGM Radio, where the bits keep coming. I'm Justin. And I'm Mike. This is episode 34, special with Super Thrash Brothers. Well, well, well. Been a long time coming to get these guys on our show. We are so (laughs) excited today. We are always excited, for the record. I mean, in general, In general. (laughs) Like, I'm always just, boom, ready to go. Sometimes it's too much. Sometimes I need to tone it down, but... Today, we will not be toning it down nope. because we have the awesome video game music cover band, Super Thrash Bros. Guys, thank you so much for being on the show. We have three of you of, I guess you could say, what, five, six? What's the official number of people in your band? There's officially six of us. Okay. So we got, we got half of us here. Awesome. Nice. So introduce yourselves if you may, please. Uh, I'm Eric. I play drums and dress up as Ness. I'm Ryan. Y'all probably know me as Mega Man, and I shred the seven string. Yes. Nice. <laughs> uh, I'm Nick. I play the bass, and I wear semi-dress clothes because they're rather big. 
<laughs> well, you probably know the mask more than anything else. So yes. Yeah, yeah. So, and then we have the other members, which are uh, Ant, uh, who is Nick. Is that your brother? I, I know. I noticed yes. the last name is the same. <laughs> yep. Yes, it is. Okay. It's my uh, my younger brother. And he's on guitar, and he also dresses up as Sheik. Yep. Okay. And then we have Brian Carroll, who is the master hand, who is basically like the announcer for you guys, because you guys don't speak really during the show. It's more like him kind of pumping everybody up. And then you have Ed Connolly, who plays Crazy Hand. Uh, basically, uh, Brian Carroll looks like, I guess you could say, like a grown-up Ness from Earthbound. I actually, so when we when we saw you guys at Too Many Games, I completely mistook Brian Carroll for Markiplier. Okay. He, he kind of looks like Markiplier. <laughs> yeah, Brian, who plays Master Hand, he has one glove on, and he is the Master Hand in, from Smash Brothers, if you guys are, are catching this whole thing. <laughs> Super Thrash Brothers. Super Smash Brothers. Yes. There so, might be some theming going on, maybe. Maybe. A li- just a little. Slightly. <laughs> and then it all comes together. And, uh, and and so Brian has, like, the glasses and the short hair, and he's very, like, prim and proper looking. He has the the coat, like the long, the you yeah, know, the, the jacket. Yeah, the long jacket. And then Ed Conley is a long-haired dude, like, looks like a heavy metal dude, and, and he's got a Donkey Kong tie on, and he just runs around the the crowd, getting everybody pumped throughout the entire show, for the most part. And uh, I gotta say, it's a little weird when you're initially watching it because you think you don't realize that he's part of the show initially. Yeah, I I, I did not. I was just like, who is this guy? He <laughs> we, he is really into Super Thrash Bros. Yeah. Oh my god! We're like, wow, did they like pay that guy? <laughs> yeah, you always gotta have that plant in the crowd. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it worked out really well. Like it he did. was running around through the crowd and just like getting people hyped, getting people pumped, getting people up and like dancing yeah. and stuff. Like he he really did his job get, and getting people moving. And he's a thin guy, and so I'm wondering this guy has a great workout ethic. He just shows up, he runs around like crazy during shows, and, you know, he could eat Taco Bell afterwards. Like, <laughs> he's good, right? Wow, it's like you know him. <laughs> <laughs> so, we are today going to be doing something a little bit laid back. Uh, normally on our shows, we do very in-depth stuff very in-depth themes where we go into the games and we go into uh, you know this huge ordeal with the composers, which we're still going to touch on the composers a little bit, but most of this episode is us just going to be chatting with Super Thrash Bros, finding out a little bit of what they do and how they do it and get a little background on them and see a little bit of what's to come in the future for them. Yeah. But uh, we're going to be playing some super nostalgic bangers. Super Thrash Brothers, what they do is they do medleys. So, as you just heard, we came in on a Kirby medley that they threw together, and it's off of their latest album, which is called Master of Buttons. Which is a play on Master of... That's a Metallica album? Puppets? Puppets, that's the one. Okay. I'm assuming, right? Oh, I have no idea what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. All right, then. <laughs> is Lars listening to this? Oh, <laughs> good call. We might have to sue them. Yeah, that's true. We're going to have to cut this whole bit. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> so what's the first Kirby game that you guys have ever played? Kirby Superstar for SNES. Air Ride was my uh, first foray into the oh. Kirby franchise, and only foray. Uh, I have yet to play a Kirby game, to be honest. 
<laughs> oh. oh man, you see, you... I, I might, I might look like a poser right now, but just wait until a little later into the interview. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised the the other guys aren't like, yo, dude, like, what's the deal? You guys, you, you gotta, you gotta play Kirby if you're playing a Kirby jam. Like, I mean, Kirby's <laughs> in Super Smash Brothers, so that counts as a Kirby game, right? Yeah, technically, yeah. <laughs> kind of. Even though I cosplay as Ness, I have never played an Earthbound game in my life. <laughs> I am not personally an Earthbound fan, but I've heard plenty of the music throughout Super Smash Brothers, so I'm kind of with you there. Hmm. To be honest, we don't even play video games. We're more like jocks and we're into like football and stuff like that. <laughs> this is like Thrash Bros Confession Hour. Right, right, right. It's like Red Shoe Diaries or whatever. <laughs> we're, we're capitalizing on the nerds just like we took their lunch money. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... Now, how did you guys come together as a band? Oh boy. Well, back like uh, almost five years ago at this point, I discovered like a whole bunch of these bands. I think I saw like a Pittsburgh. That's pretty cool. So I kind of just went and made a Facebook post and I was like, is there anybody that wants to play video game music? Serious inquiries only. And then uh, these two guys showed up. <laughs> How long did it take you guys to kind of form this idea of, hey, we're going to take the Super Smash Brothers thing and we're going to kind of turn it on its head and we're going to, you know, kind of cosplay as the characters? Like, how did that all come about? Uh, that took quite a bit, actually. It was, it, it didn't all come together as one at one time. It was just kind of, you, you pick one thing up and as you're going, you notice along the way that multiple things cohesively came together and you just kind of add one more thing to it like we say we have like five songs down and we notice they're all in smash bros and they were just like oh well let's let's keep doing that like, <laughs> just keep adding them in that's cool well it's a very unique idea that you guys have come up with and i don't think anybody else has done anything like this so it's pretty cool yeah they haven't i've definitely not with the uh the level of like theming and dedication to just the one franchise that we have now yeah yeah no that's true i mean the only band that i can think of is the x hunters because they actually dress up like oh the mega man x yeah. squad like a uh, vile and zero I say the proto men were like that too weren't they? oh we, yeah they, a little they, bit they i mean they, I they, think they, that was the proto men we we've actually played with x hunters before and they did not dress up in cosplay huh. really oh man wow. maybe that's changed because like in years prior i I've seen them like three or four times, and uh, each time I saw them, they used to dress up the full Damn. get up with the armor and everything. It looks super rad. I mean, it, it's, I, I would imagine it's probably a lot. They probably don't do it every show. Mm. They've also seen yeah, it. It was a more low profile show, mm. so it's okay. totally possible. That's that's yeah. true. Like when they play like Magfest and stuff like that, I'm sure that's, they. That's what I was going to say. Like any, 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 any like the really, 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 really big stuff. Like really, really big man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. So the Mega Man boss? Yeah, really, really big man. <laughs> I think it's from Rocco. Is it? Oh yeah, yeah. Really, really big man. But I, so I was gonna say the the, the Proto Men, but even then, they used to be just Mega Man stuff. Now they do mm. all sorts of things. They, yeah. they've kind of moved on from the uh, from from the, the the one the one track thing. That's true. Yeah. But either yeah. way, like the the combination of metal and Super Smash Brothers stuff, mm -hmm. wouldn't have thought it, but it it works really well. I also mm -hmm. have to say. Uh, I like how your show opens with like just an empty stage, and then uh, what was it? I think Master Hand is just like picking you guys up and putting you on stage, yeah. and, like, positioning you and put all, putting all the stuff on. That was I had a really good laugh with that. Yeah, that was that was just supposed to be a uh, a small little hat tip to the intro of the N64 
this oh, yeah. uh, oh, Smash yeah. Bros. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Where it just pulls all the toys out of the toy box, and right. you know it snaps, and they all just start coming to life. And it was just a uh, quick idea. At one point, we just kind of <laughs> stuck with it. That's really clever. Yeah, I yeah. like it. Yeah, don't stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's move into our first track of the episode so we talked a little bit about Kirby so we're going to yeah. move into the next Smash Brothers theme track so the whole purpose of this episode and what we're going to do is we are going to play one of the Super Thrash Brothers medleys and then we're going to follow it up with a selection of a song that they played in their medley and we're going to take that and we're going to put it and play it for you guys and just to kind of showcase a song from the medley. Yeah. From the actual game. So we each kind of picked our, our favorite piece of the medley and right. and, pick, and pulled out the, the original composition. Right, the original song games. from the game itself. Right, yep. right, right. So, from the franchise, right. Right. So, so the first track that we're going to play from Super Thrash Brothers is their Metroid melody. Right. Uh, and then we're going to come back and listen to specifically Brinstar from the NES.
All right, that was the Metroid track from Super Thrash Brothers, and now we're going to hear Brinstar from Metroid that was, came out in the NES in 1986 and was composed by Hirokazu Tanaka. Welcome back. That was Metroid on the NES from 1986. The track was Brinstar, composed by Hirokazu Tanaka. And before that, we heard the Metroid medley by our guest, Super Thrash Bros. Yay! I'm going to say this after every track, so I'm just going to say it once now and get out of the way. Uh, that was really metal. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> just the, the things that, that I picked up on, listening to it again, you guys have a lot of really interesting things that you do with your music. I mean, for one, you do time changes like it's nobody's business. Mm. I heard it, I noticed it, and it was really, like, really slick, really well done. Uh, and the sound effects that you guys use are really cool. Mike, Mike and I were saying during the break that the uh, the echo effect kind of gives it a, a live show feeling. And I I agree, but I got a different feeling at first. It, it Considering the, the track is, you know, Metroid, and we have, you know, Brinstar Brin in there, it kind of made me feel like I was in 
the game. Like, if, it kind of made me feel like I was in a Metroid. Well, not well, hiding from Metroid. I, no, so inside a Metroid. Feel like Metroid. Yeah, because <laughs> well, like, so Metroid isn't the type of game where there's a million things on screen and they're all connected. Not sure. bullet hell. Like, it, it feels a little bit lonely. Like, there's stuff there, but Some the isolation. game. Yeah, there, there's isolation involved, and it feels really lonely. And listening to listening to the track as you guys performed it. The, the echo kind of makes me feel like I'm like in a cave hiding from a Metroid, like on Brinstar. I'm going to just say that I think this is probably the best Metroid medley <laughs> for a video game music cover band since the mini-bosses. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, oh, wow. I, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, like, if you listen to the time signatures and the time changes, that specifically is merged like so well from song to song to song it flows so naturally there's no like oh i'm just gonna take you out of that song and then like push you into another one it doesn't it's not it doesn't feel like that it feels very natural that these songs are moving together almost like uh waves kind of moving along the shore together so yeah 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 very poetic yeah trying to make everything smooth is a huge priority of ours because everything we do is a medley Mm -hmm. so we we really like being able to swap from song to song smoothly right right and you kind of have to when your shtick is medleys i mean like you you get good at them and i think that these guys are are killing it when it comes to medleys as far as like producing them because they're saying to themselves how can we get from point A to point B to point C to point D without making it sound too jarring. Yeah, because I mean, if, if, if you can tell where the tracks change, mm. then it's not a medley as far, right. as, as, far as I'm concerned. Like, yeah. if, if I, I should be able to point out, oh, that you know that that's Craig's Lair, that's Brinstar, yeah. but I shouldn't be able to, to, to say like, oh, hey, we just changed tracks because right. It, it it doesn't it, it's jarring mm-hmm. right and yeah. in this one like you you transition from one from one piece into the next mm-hmm. like flawlessly now, and it's now, awesome now here's my thing though listening to this version of of Brinstar mm-hmm. and comparing it with what these guys have done it is like night and day I feel like mm. of course with the original Metroid you it it to me at least was the sort of game where even if you listen to the soundtrack outside of the game. You don't truly feel the music unless you're actually playing the very first Metroid. Right, because it's audio and video. It or is oral and visual, yeah. It is a very specific feeling that that first Metroid game gives you. It is unlike any other game that I've played. I think the closest that I've come is probably like something out of the Castlevania series, maybe like mm-hmm. Castlevania 2 or Super Castlevania 4, mm-hmm. where like you can listen to the soundtrack separate. But you're not going to get the full experience unless you're actually physically playing the game. Right, right. And and to me, that's so important because these guys did kind of capture a little bit of that isolation element that you mentioned, yeah. you know, earlier when you were talking about it. So I, I do agree with you that I feel like even though listening to this track is a little jarring because you're going from this very, very modern sound with guitar, like live instruments, guitar, and everything to this like chip tuny sound, <laughs> it is a kind of darker sound that you're kind of left with yeah whereas the brinstar song itself is kind of a very happy-go-lucky song in a way it, it's probably the bounciest song of the entire nes metroid oh yeah you know? that's fair i mean yeah, it was like purposefully the only like uplifting tune on the uh, game yeah for sure oh yeah yeah yeah, I mean everything else just sounds like 
you're you're gonna die any second now. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, there's a lot of atmospheric uh, stuff in, in the Metroid. Yeah, game. that's the thing with Metroid. It was sitting down and picking songs for it. Mm -hmm. It's like not to give away too much, but for most of these, we actually sit down and we'll have like 10, 15 songs per series. Sure. And we'll just pick a couple out of them to make a medley out of. And this was one of those situations where you have to pick. And I'll, I'll sit down and listen to Metroid soundtrack for hours mm -hmm. straight while I'm doing things. Sure. And it is very dark, gloomy, empty, you know, like lonely, hopeless. And it, it's embodying that and making it immersive. Yeah, 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 I agree. I agree. And also, I mean, if you think about it, like this specific song is the most rocking song. Like it's the most like rock and roll kind of like heavy metal <laughs> song at its core. Uh, it's the most song-like out of any of the other songs. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. know what I mean. Whereas, like, if you listen to like Ridley, for example, I mean, yeah, that's an awesome like heavy metal song. I yeah. mean, like, heck, there's an entire band called Metroid Metal oh, yeah. that uh, we totally forgot about. But they don't really do medleys. I mean, some of their songs they do do medleys, but for the most part, they're just doing one song from a game. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? From one of the games. So. <laughs> You know, I love Metroid Metal. I've seen them multiple times. Don't you know? Don't get me wrong. I'm not knocking Metroid Metal at all. I think they're great, but I think like these guys are doing a better job as far as medleys go, especially yeah. transitioning from song to song. Yes, I think there's maybe one or two songs that Metroid Metal does off the top of my head where I'm like, holy crap! And that <laughs> would probably be like Space Pirates. Yeah, like the Space Pirate theme that they do is just like so heavy. That's you know? Fair. Yeah, but. That is it. So, Hip Tanaka. I mean, Hirokazu yeah. Hip Tanaka. We've talked about this man at length. Yes. Uh, so, let's just find. Let's talk about three. him again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> let's find uh, three things on here. So, did Gumshoe 1986. He was uncredited for that. Mm -hmm. uh, Nintendo World Championship 1990 in 1990. Sound Composer was uncredited for that. And one more uncredited thing. Nintendo Campus Challenge 1991 in 1991. He was uncredited for that. Okay. I'm just trying to give him credit where he didn't get credit. Sure, sure. <laughs> Much respect to Mr. Hip Tanaka. Yeah, yeah. All right. So now, now from the dark to, to the, the light. Pace. Yes, to the speedy. We're going to go ahead and play F-Zero. This is the medley from Super Thrash Brothers. And then we'll come back with a track from F-Zero X.
that was F-Zero, the medley from Super Thrash Bros. And this track that we're going to listen to is from F-Zero X. It came out on the N64 in 1998. The track is called Mute City. It's by Taro Bando and Hajime Wakai. Hey, you're back. Is your face still there, or did it get melted off by the F-Zero-ness of everything that we just heard? That was F-Zero. First off, we had the Super Thrash Brothers medley, and then afterwards we played the F-Zero X game song Mute City, and it came out on the N64 in 1998, and it's by Taro Bando and Hajime Wakai. Nice. Yeah. It. You know why I picked these specifically? I picked F-Zero's X's version of Mute City because I wanted to hear a metal version combative with like you know comparison with the uh, with the F Zero medley that these guys have done. Right, right. And they hold up. They both hold up, and they both have different elements that they took. I I actually really prefer Super Thrash Brothers at points mm-hmm. when they are doing the kind of call and answer parts with the guitars, oh, yeah, yeah. and they yeah. panned it back and forth. <laughs> I really like that, but. I really love that in the F-Zero X song you know, for Mute City, right away they kick off with the, uh, 
dual uh, dual harmony guitars with the uh, slightly off octave, you know, higher octave. Yeah, yeah. They have and then the you know, like slightly lower. So that I absolutely love in that version. So both versions, if I could somehow combine them <laughs> together, that would be brilliant. So that that's what you guys should clearly do is re-release this album and then combine those two. Just, just tweak that one, yeah. that one thing. <laughs> just for my amusement. I mean, just, just, just for my amusement. Get, uh, get Pondo and Makai on the phone. We'll, uh, we'll work it out with them. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe one day we could go back and do the same tunes, but like the future version. Like go through the F Zero X version. Oh, that'd be cool. Version. That'd oh. be really neat. It'd be like a Super Thrash Brothers remastered, almost, or like, or, uh, or even like. You, you start out with the with the uh, the SNES version yeah. and then mer- then like develop it into the N sixty four version. Sure. And then you uh, that that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, Super and Thrash with the uh, Mario Kart eight version. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Super Thrash Bros. Melee. That's got to be the name of the album. I mean that makes sense, right? It's the second album, like that. Would... <laughs> well, we we've already got plans for the second album name. Don't worry about that. Oh man, it's gonna be called like Melee. <laughs> and every song is going to be about Justin Bailey from Metroid. Oh my god. Yes. Every song. It'll be like a love letter. That's like a stretch, my man. <laughs> yeah. Mr. Fantastic, because, cool, yikes. <laughs> Listen, nothing is a stretch when it comes to XVGM Radio. All right. We are all about stretching, right, Justin? I'm going to add a cricket sound effect right there. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, speaking of albums, though, uh, I just, just something that, that I, I remembered that I thought was kind of funny. Your current album is called Master of Buttons. Despite me having read that many times, every time I went to talk about this album, I kept thinking it was called Masher of Buttons. I thought you were going to say something <laughs> totally different. I don't want to know. I thought you were going to say Master of Butts. Master of Butts. <laughs> you would go there. I would. I mean, that would be a cool name for an album. Uh, well, we considered it. <laughs> Master of Butts. Master of Butts. <laughs> it, it wouldn't it, be it, a lie. Uh-huh. <laughs> it lost a two to three vote. Oh, man. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. Oh, man. I could just uh, picture them selling their album like I'll hang out at like, you know, too many games or whatever. <laughs> And somebody comes up and they're like, oh, well, you know, uh, yeah, I saw you guys live. You guys are really good. Uh, you got an album? Yeah, yeah, we got an album. Oh, what's it called? Uh, Master of Butts. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go now. <laughs> <laughs> F-Zero, what is your uh, your fond memories of this franchise? Or do you have any? Or is this just like, a, you know, very similar to the Kirby song? Like, uh, hey, we're just going to pick a track from this because we, you know. Because it's awesome. Yeah. Uh, I've put many an hour of uh, childhood into F-Zero into the SNES. I never had any of the other versions. That, okay. that was the one that I had. And what and, about uh, Ryan? You had that one too, right? I had to borrow that from yeah. you for a little bit. <laughs> I played in front of this nest. Actually, I think you may still have it now that we're no, coming to think about it. Definitely know I gave that back because I had to buy my own version. <laughs> <laughs> you guys go to so many cons because you, you play at cons. You clearly had to have like go and, and pick up like a copy of F Zero, but like oh, I'll just grab this while I'm here. <laughs> I actually have a list on my desktop, but a notepad of all kinds of games that I'm on the on the hunt for. Oh, all the nice. all, all us collectors do. I mean, well, all, all us. Let's put it this way: all us game players do, regardless of if you collect or don't mm. collect. You know, most people are like, ah, oh, you know what? There's a game that I'm looking for, and I'm going to go to a convention. I'm going to pick it up. Did you guys all grow up together, or, like, how do you all know each other? I know, like, two of your brothers, obviously, the um, Ant and Nick, but, yeah. 
Uh, what about the rest of you? Uh, I didn't meet Nick until we both showed up at Ryan's house for the first STB practice. Okay. <laughs> and I met Ryan through a friend that I met at uh, uh, County College. Okay. Nice, nice. That's cool. And first time I ever saw Ryan, I'm pretty sure he was drunk in an American flag speedo. And nice. That was the <laughs> only other time I met him before that first. Oh man, that's the only time to meet somebody, really. I mean, <laughs> drunk I was... in an American flag speedo. <laughs> Sorry to out you like that, Ryan, but <laughs> I have no shame. There's <laughs> evidence out there, so I can't hide it. Hey, that's a blessing. I wish I met Justin while wearing a. a American flag speed up. We might not be friends if that had happened, <laughs> considering our first uh, our first meeting was at a uh, was was at a party. Yes. I, mean, I, I guess it would have been very similar. I would have met you. You would have been drunk in a speed. I, I mean, we definitely got drunk at that party, the very first party. That I mean, I we, met did. You at. That we was, did. That was the point of that party. That was the point of that party. But definitely, there was no there there, there were was no speedos. there were no speedos. But a girl did take off her top. Do you recall this? I, I, I do, because it happened at every party Sean threw. It, that is true. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> hey, you guys got that. I got Ryan in a Speedo. <laughs> hey, I'm going to find a way to work it into my next cosplay for the band. There you go. There you go. <laughs> do you um, be like a Mega Man villain? American man? American flag man. We'll just make you blue, and you, you can just still be Mega Man. We'll just put like a, oh, like a little cloth diaper on. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't there a Shulk costume where he's just in uh, just in underwear? I mean, that's close enough, right? Yeah, there is. Yeah, Shulk is in his un- no, he's in a bathing suit, I think, in uh, Smash Brothers for the Wii U, which I think they brought over that costume for the new one. Um, no one I know plays Shulk, so who knows? Oh, I like Shulk. I like playing a Shulk. Oh yeah, you know what? Let's what let's ask. Person you. I know plays Shulk. <laughs> so so did. Did you guys pick personas based on your favorite character that you like to play as? I know that doesn't really work with Skull Kid, because you can't play a Skull Kid. But, like, Ness, Mega Man, Sheik, like, like, did you guys pick that based on those characters that they're your favorite to play as in Smash? Well, it was it was kind of different, because, like, when we first started and we did the costume thing, there were other people in the band at the time. Mm-hmm. So, like, there, there have been a few lineup changes, but... I'm not sure how it started initially. Like I, as me personally, I didn't have the whole costume until about a year ago. I was just the Majora's mask. That right. was all I had. And uh, I gotta say, that mask is super oh cool. Oh my god! Because it has light up eyes. Yeah. And yeah. and like the the yellow eyes like light up. It's like seeing him move around on stage with it is like really trippy. <laughs> it's cool just to watch him. Like, don't watch anybody. Well, you can watch everybody else. But, like, all specifically <laughs> watch him for the eyes. It's super cool. <laughs> I have to say, it's when... pulled some crowds, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, no, I, I think the mask is really cool. I have to say, when we were watching you guys at Too Many Games, I was mostly focused on watching Sheik just shred that guitar. Sure. I was like, wow, that is... There is some... Some serious skill going on there too, and I mean, obviously everybody has sort of their, their time in the limelight, and and when uh, I can't remember which song it was on, but there was at one point where like Mega Man was was front and center mm-hmm. and just killing it, and and I, I was blown away by that. But in in the beginning, the first couple of songs you guys played, I, I guess Sheik must have had uh, either more of a an upfront role in the uh, in in those songs or something, but mm-hmm. I, it was just. It was crazy. Like yeah. I, I play guitar not very well, but <laughs> I, I understand the concept of, of what it takes to play some of that stuff, and I was just speechless. 
just in You're probably thinking of that the Bowser's Castle uh, tapping that he shreds. It's just uh, just yes. ridiculous. Yeah. That. Hell yeah. Yeah. I think I think that was it. Yeah. Let's talk about the composers. We have two composers for this one: Taro Bando and Hajime Wakai. So Taro Bando. I'm just gonna pick three random games. Uh, the first game that started off uh, for credits was Famicom Mukashi Banashi Shin Onigashima which came out in 1987, and that is a Famicom Disk System text adventure game. Interesting. Uh, then we'll go with Stunt Race FX, was the sound composer on that one in 1994. Let's go with something a little more modern from the next game. How about Mario Superstar Baseball in 2005? They've done a ton Ooh. of other things for Nintendo, but mostly sound design and sound effects and sound supervisors. So... Hmm. Uh, that is the role that they have mostly played. Hajime Wakai, very similar in the sense that they started off doing composition and then kind of moved into sound supervisory roles, similar to Koji Kondo, Lord and Master of All VGM. <laughs> started off with Yoshi Story in 1997 doing sound effects, but was the composer on Star Fox 64 that following year. Followed it up with F-Zero X in 1998. And later on, they did the music for Pikmin 3 in 2013. So that's just a few games. They mostly have stuck with, like, Star Fox, though, for the most part. Like, Star Fox 64 and Star Fox Command. They did music on both of those, as well as uh, supervisory roles on Star Fox Zero and Star Fox Guard. So, All right, so let's move into our next pick. So, Justin, this is your choice. What do you got for us? Yeah, so speaking of both Koji Kondo and Bowser's Castle, we are going to hear the Mario medley from Super Thrash Brothers, and then we will hear something from Super Mario World. I'll talk about that when we come back.
right, welcome back. That was the Mario medley from Super Thrash Bros. And now we are going to hear Super Mario World on the SNES came out in 1990. The track is Bowser's Castle, composed by Koji Kondo. Welcome back to XVGM Radio's Spotlight on the Super Thrash Brothers. The track that we just heard was Bowser's Castle, which came out in 1990 on the game Super Mario World, which was on the SNES. It was composed by Koji Kondo. It was not Larry's Castle. It's not Larry's Castle, but for the sake of all that is good in the world, when you (laughs) play this game and when you hear this song, you have to sing It's Larry's Castle. So I have to say, I've never sang that, and I'm doing just fine. You are not living to your fullest. I'm living my best life. Can you then not live to my fullest, then? (laughs) (laughs) You guys need to do it live. Oh, my God. So when you're playing it, like, one of you should be on the mic, like, like Masterhand could be on the mic. And be like, it's Larry's castle. And he's got to, like, wiggle his fingers, too. Like, it's all spooky. Yo, make it a thing. Start that chant the next time you see us. There you go. There you go. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. I want to watch this because I just want to see how how hard you fall on your face. No, what I'll do is... Okay, like, what are you talking we about? We can plan this out. All right, so what I'll do is I could probably take Crazy Hand, right? You think I could take him in a battle? I don't think so. You don't think He's so? He's crazy. He is pretty crazy. Oh, hard no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, right. I don't I, know, man. I only met him the one time after the show. Um, yeah. What was it? Friday, Friday night when we were when we were uh, hanging out after yeah. um, after too many games. Yeah, yeah. And just just in the the short time that we hung out with him and talked with him, I was just like, man, this guy could kill me in a second. <laughs> All right. So what I'll do is I'll bring my own glove and I'll kind of join him 
and we'll be best friends forever and then we'll hold hands gloved hands and we'll run around the room screaming it's larry's castle i think this could work all right this is turning into a cult now i'm not comfortable with it (laughs) uh sorry let's get back to what we normally do and talk about the music (laughs) sure so i have to say the luigi's mansion piece in the in the beginning of this is is really awesome. It, trying to pick between that and the Bowser's Castle mm. theme for me, I, I didn't know which one I really wanted to go with. I ended up going with Bowser's Castle, admittedly, because nostalgia. Mm-hmm. I have way more nostalgia for Super Mario World than I do for Luigi's Mansion. Okay. But again, the, the, the transition was really well done. Mm. If you know that the two tracks, it's really easy to sort of spot where they transition. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that it's a like a hard or a jarring transition because you have the ending of that that Luigi's Mansion song, mm-hmm. and then it, it kind of holds and sustains, and then you hear the you know the beginning of the Bowser's uh, sure. castle come in, and it's just it fits really well because I mean they're both spooky, creepy, like sure. dark. Oh, and absolutely. They, like, I never would have thought to put these two together. I never would have. Like, like I said, I'm not. I don't really have any nostalgia for Luigi's Mansion, mm. so I don't really listen to the music from that uh, at all. Mm. But hearing the two of them put together in this, it was like, why do I not listen to that? It's it's so good. But mm. uh, I, I'm getting it flack for this, but I think it's just your version of of the song is really good. Hey, we're not going to give you any flack for that. Yeah. <laughs> no, but plenty of VGM listeners are going to say, hey. But the original track is not bad. I just, like I said, I, I don't really have any attachment to it. So. Oh, see, I love Luigi's Mansion. And don't get me wrong, yeah. Mario World, favorite Mario of all time. Like, yeah. Hands down, nobody will ever tell me that any other Mario is better. <laughs> I mean, they can, but they're wrong. Right. But Luigi's Mansion is a really, really fun game. Uh, the whole series is great. Mm-hmm. But specifically, what I wanted to mention is... Obviously, intentionally going with those very low bass tones, mm-hmm. you know, starting off. First off, it's very difficult to keep someone's attention with that Luigi's Mansion song live. So you guys, first off, get major kudos <laughs> for being able to do that as far as the song goes. Because when it starts off, it's that do, 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 do. And it's, yeah. it's a very slow building song because of that. Obviously, fans of the franchise are going to love it. But if you're just kind of walking into the show and you have no nostalgia for Luigi's Mansion you know like what are these guys doing but I love that it ties in with that low kind of growling bass you know you get the smooth movement from do 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 and then it moves into the do with that bass line for Mario World it's a really really solid combination I mean Obviously, these guys are, as they said, they sit down, they pick, you know, 13, 14 tracks or whatever, and they figure out which ones work the best, and that is the best way to do medleys. So, yeah. again, knocking it out of the park. Good Seriously. Stuff. Yeah. Oh, thank you very much. So, uh, I'm curious as to, uh, you know, Mike asked uh, you know, how you guys all get, uh, got together. Uh, I'm curious how you guys all got into playing music. How did you get into the bass, guitar, drums, and all that Yeah, stuff? like, what's your musical background, basically? Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so I got a guitar when I was like 13 or something like that for my birthday. And that's when I started playing guitar. And I was all, all into like classic rock and like alternative. That's pretty much all I listened to at the time. Nice. Yeah. I uh, I watched my friend play drums in uh, like an eighth grade talent show or something like that. And I was like, oh, that's pretty neat. I, I, might, I, I could get into that. <laughs> and then my best friend was like, hey, we're starting a band. Uh, and since you expressed like even remote interest in drums you're the drummer now (laughs) that's awesome just throw you into the deep end yeah he's always been that way it's just you know if if go 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 if 
you show that kind of interest, you you go for it. Oh That's my God. funny. That's awesome. So uh, I gotta thank him for that. <laughs> since my brother's not here to explain it himself, I think it's only fair since both of us sort of picked it up at the same time for me to explain it anyway when uh, what was i about 12 I, I got a guitar when i was about 12 so my brother was about 10 i don't know 9 10 and he got drums actually mm. at, at the same time we, we both picked it up and we started playing stuff like you know clapped in classic rock you know earlier stuff and we didn't get me- into metal until like uh much later metallica megadeth pantera right nice, nice. you know all, all that stuff mm-hmm. and then in the last couple of years, actually for Thrash Bros is when I started playing bass. I, I never played bass before that. Oh, wow. Hmm. Pretty smooth transition from guitar to bass, of course, right? Kind of. They're two totally different instruments, believe it or not. The way you play them, two, right. they're completely different. Yeah. And he actually picked up guitar around the same time I picked up bass. Oh. Because okay. we, we had other projects at the same time that, you know, we were writing stuff. And when I swapped to bass, it was he filled in the gap that I was playing, and he didn't join Thrash Bros until like the last year. Oh wow! So yeah, yeah. I was curious about that because I, I saw that you you had two prior members that were on guitar, and then he jumped on. Was was he kind of like going to jump on from the beginning, but you needed to fill the spot, so you got these other two two guitars first? Like it makes sense in most family based bands in the sense that when you have family members together they typically start out together but you but interestingly enough he jumped on years later so how did that come about actually he he had no interest at first oh really wanted nothing to do with it uh yeah we we started with somebody else and then eventually he left and we, we had another member come in and uh, that member left pretty abruptly, and it kind of left us in a tight spot. We, we had two weeks until another show. Oh, wow. And so I, I just asked him, and he said he would do it. He had, he had two weeks to learn everything. Oh, oh wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, and he picked it all up, fit the spot right in, and it's uh, pretty smooth ever, ever since. Nice, nice. So now that he's been in the band for a little while, does he feel a little bit better about doing it, or is it now something that he's like excited about? Like, oh, yeah, no, not, now I'm in this band. I, I think he's a little more into it. You know, he gets he gets to see the other side of it now. He you know he, yeah. he gets to see we we travel around a lot. We we walk into a building, people know who we are even without costumes on and right. stuff. You know, the recognition is cool. That's yeah. cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We walk into a building and people leave. So <laughs> we know what that's like. We Wait. know what that's like. <laughs> a little bit of deodorant goes a long way, man. Uh. <laughs> you know, it's funny that a lot of people get that moniker from for like the game crowd it, with the deodorant oh yeah yeah you know what i mean like how hard is it to put on some deodorant i mean really i mean it's one of the easiest things you can do so regarding mario what was your first experience with a mario game hmm. uh super mario world and i had it around the same time as f-zero i hmm. i have countless hours into it actually some of my earliest memories or Super Mario. Both uh, launch titles, too. My first Mario game was actually Mario on, like, Game Boy, the original Game Boy, before Game Boy Color. Mario Land. Oh, okay. That's kind of neat. Yeah, I played uh, I played the OG. That, at that same friend's house, uh, I played the OG one. There was that duck hunt. We played at Home Alone, you know. It's just, yep. I got to experience the original thing firsthand. Nice, <laughs> nice. Very good. There's something to be said for the OG Mario. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. 
So Koji Kondo, again, we've talked about Koji Kondo countless times, but the father of VGM. I'm going to do what I did with Hip Tanaka and pick some uncredited items from sure. his inventory or, or resume here. So we'll go with Volleyball 1986. He was uncredited for sound. Nintendo Campus Challenge 1991. He was uncredited as a sound composer. Going with all those Nintendo World Championship games. There's not a whole lot that he was uncredited for, which is good because he deserves all the credit. So let's move into my next pick. Uh, this is Mega Man. This is going to be the Super Thrash Brothers medley, and then we'll play a little track from a Mega Man game afterwards.
All right, that was Super Thrash Bros medley of Mega Man. Now we're going to play a track from Mega Man 2, good old Mega Man 2. This came out in the NES in 1988. This track is called Flash Man, and it's by Takashi Tateishi, Manami Matsume, and Yoshihiro Sakaguchi. back and your face is still melted off from the f-zero track and then you put your face back on and your face just remelted right off from Mega Man. that was from it's a puddle yeah it's a puddle it's a liquid blurb face. liquid face invest in sharpie yeah liquid <laughs> so that was super thrash brothers medley of Mega Man music that was also Mega Man 2 from the nes which came out in 1988 that was flash man's theme by Takashi Tateishi, Manami Matsume, and Yoshihiro Sakaguchi. So, first off, the comparison between, again, chiptune and live instrumentation is always a little jarring sometimes, but there's a few takeaways from this one. 
One is that I really, really like Dr. Wily's theme by these mm. guys. I think that the way that they do it, the instrumentation, the speed, and the dexterity of the guitar playing specifically really stands out. Also, the bass lines. So, uh, Nick, do you play with a pick? Yeah, uh, it depends on the song, but for that one, I do. Okay. I would imagine so, because there's a lot of galloping motion going on there, so I would imagine it's... Unless you're Steve Harris from Iron Maiden, you're not playing something like this without a pick. It's very, very uh, difficult. He could secretly be that. You don't know. He could secretly... Yes, Steve from Iron Maiden, I am not. <laughs> but still, like, fantastic Yeah, you know, speed and energy on that. Uh, you know, trying to keep up with those guitars, I would imagine, as a bass player, must be extremely difficult. Mm. But with a track like this, when you've got somebody who's able to keep up like that, it's it's really, really top notch. Agreed. Oh, yeah. Thank you. You are welcome. So, what made you pick mostly Mega Man 2 for this? Because I think this whole medley is Mega Man 2, right? It's no, there's nothing else in there. I think it's all Mega Man 2. That is correct. Yeah, all that's Mega- what I thought. Sometimes the Mega Man music kind of blurs together. <laughs> It, it does. I think that was that was sort of a combination of Ryan absolutely loving Mega Man and me not knowing anything about Mega Man, so I oh. kind of held him back a little bit and wouldn't let him do uh, other Mega Man games because I was still trying to figure out <laughs> Mega Man 2, and it, it was just a bit of everything. So that's an interesting question then uh, for Mega Man. What was all of your first Mega Man games? Or if you didn't have any experience, did you end up playing it after you started uh, listening to um, this? My only Mega Man experience is watching Ryan play Mega Man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. And uh, when you were watching him, were you, were you pretty impressed by his, his Mega Man skill? Just the sheer knowledge of Mega Man baffles me. I mean, you just jump and shoot. It's not that hard. <laughs> jump and shoot, man. <laughs> jump and shoot. So. Yeah, my uh, my first Mega Man was Mega Man 8 on the PlayStation, oh. and then I played Mega Man X on an emulator that my uncle burned for me, and uh, then I played Mega Man X 5 at my friend's house like one time, and that's all. I'm I- the Mega Maniac over here. Nice. Um, I started with Mega Man 2, but like Mega Man X is by far my favorite series of Mega Man games. Okay. But I've, I've dabbled in all of them. Mega Man Zero, Battle Network, just all of them. That's one of my favorite oh. series. Oh, Zero, yeah. <laughs> Those are pretty good, too. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Mega Man Zero. So give me your most obscure <laughs> Mega Man knowledge. What is the most obscure thing you know about Mega Man? I got nothing off the top of my head. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. All right. You we'll got to go with something. Like Mega Man wears board shorts under his... That's not knowledge. You just made that it's... up. It's actually an American flag speedo. Uh, I knew it. See? Yeah. <laughs> See, that makes sense. It's all coming together now. Yeah. Sorry, dude. Had to let him know. <laughs> oh, man. So, Mega Man 3 was my first experience with Mega Man, as I uh, discussed, I think, on the Mike's Picks episode. And I think that was yours, too, right? Mega Man 3 was your favorite. Yes. Mega Man 3 is my favorite Mega Man, because it was my first Mega Man. Yeah. It's because Mega Man 3 is the best Mega Man. I mean, boom. That too. Boom, come at me. Debatable. Debatable. <laughs> Don't ask him to come at you. He will. <laughs> we, we, we should probably probably qualify that. The best out of the original Mega Mans, because I do think Mega Man X4 is my favorite out of all of the Mega Mans that are out there. Okay. 
respectable X Force. That's, That's a fair pick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a deep cut though. No, not X, at all. X six would be a deep cut. So I guess we'll talk about the composers then. So Takashi Tataishi, better known as the Mega Man guy for Mega Man Two. That is the only Mega Man game that he actually composed for, believe it or not, as far as that goes. So he did LED Storm in 88, which was his follow-up to Mega Man 2. So Mega Man 2 was actually his very first soundtrack, supposedly. He's labeled as sound programmer, so I don't Mm. necessarily know how much he actually composed. Yeah. Uh, Willow was his follow-up game in 1989, the Capcom game. And then he did a game called Kokoron, which I believe is a Famicom exclusive came out in 1991. He's done a bunch of stuff for uh, Capcom, and then he moved over to Konami, actually, and worked on Tiny Toon Adventures 2, Batman the Animated Series, and Batman Returns in 93, and uh, then continued doing stuff for Konami, like Vandal Hearts, Parodius, DDR, and then PES 2008, the Pro Evolution Soccer Games. He did a bunch of those. Um, We don't really talk about him too much on this show, just because we don't play a lot of Mega Man 2, I guess. But uh, his final credit was Mighty Number 9 in 2016, where he was Mm. labeled as a composer. So he's kind of back, started with Mega Man, kind of came back with a Mega Man clone, so to speak, from the original uh, artist. Yeah, one of the original artists. (laughs) And Maname Matsume is a longtime Capcom employee. She started off with the very first Mega Man in 1987 and followed it up with the sequel the next year after that in 88. Uh, then did some sound programming on Legendary Wings in 88, UN Squadron in 89. I can never remember regarding UN Squadron because I think her and Mary Yamaguchi both worked on that soundtrack and I think hmm. they traded off like one of them would do one track on one game and then the other composer did the full soundtrack. So I can never remember if Maname Matsume did the full soundtrack to UN Squadron. I don't think so. I th- I'm almost positive Mary Yamaguchi did the full soundtrack yeah, on that yeah. one. Her final soundtrack that she's credited for right now is Mighty Number no. 9, which again came out in 2016. <laughs> the final composer that we're going to talk about for Mega Man is Yoshihiro Sakaguchi who started off with Capcom uncredited as an arranger for 1942, the arcade game which was ported to the NES. They also were uncredited on Trojan and Sunsun, which also got ported, I believe, as well. Hmm. They later on did Forgotten Worlds in 1988, and we're just going to jump around here. Disney's Adventures in the Magic Kingdom, which we talked a little bit about. Uh, They were uncredited for that. We talked about that on the Disney Capcom episode with uh, Rhythm and Pixels. And his final game is I Am Setsuna, which came out in 2016. They did sound design on that. I've I've heard of that. I don't know much about it, but I've heard about it. A lot of people compare it to Chrono Trigger. Yeah. Yeah. But Yoshihiro Sakaguchi is better known to most VGM-aholics as Yuki-chan's papa. Yes, yes. I was just going to say that. <laughs> Such a great that's how they That's how they're credited in that game, too, I believe. Yuki Chan's Papa. That's what he's normally credited as. So, yeah. Let's move into a game that I am not really that familiar with. It's a game that we talked about on a, on a previous episode, actually. Yeah. Uh, so it was a game that we actually talked about on the Game Boy episode. This is the Pokemon Medley from uh, Super Thrash Brothers Master of Buttons.
right, that was the Pokemon medley from Master of Buttons, and this is going to be the trainer battle theme from Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow. came out in the Game Boy in 1996 and was composed by Junichi Masuda. XVGM listeners, that was my last pick for the episode that was Trainer Battle from Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow on the Game Boy in 1996, and that track was composed by Junichi Masuda. That's right. I gotta say, as a non-Pokemon fan, Mm -hmm. this is the only one I've played, Mm -hmm. is Pokemon Red, Yellow, Blue, that That, whole thing. That generation. That generation. I never realized how slow that music is (laughs) when compared... Like, when cover bands cover it, these guys, totally blistering, like, almost to the point where when you're listening to this, and again, we've talked about the very, like, perfect nature of those, like, flowing, like, transitions between tracks, this soundtrack is way off the charts. Like, it is all over the place. It is not an easy... You're talking about the Pokemon soundtrack? Yeah, the Pokemon soundtrack. It is not an easy thing for you to transition between track and track and track, and I would say that looking at this from a purely like music fans like appreciation not as a Pokemon fan or anything like that yeah I feel like and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong but I feel like you guys struggled the most with transitions on this one and when I say that I don't mean that your transitions sound bad I just feel like they take a little more adjusting to kind of when you're merging those those tracks because all this music is so different Mm -hmm. as far as the time signatures go would you guys say that that's accurate so it is in a certain aspect um but it kind of fits the idea of pokemon because at least with the battle themes like when battle themes kick off it's supposed to be as jarring as possible you're you're getting thrown into a, a struggle to the death so to speak yeah and that's why the beginning of every Pokemon song, or every Pokemon battle song, it's got that two bars of just a flurry of notes. Nonsense. Yeah, 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 that's true. 
So the, that kind of jarring transition, like it, it makes sense in this context. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree. Yeah, that does open up that other can though, where uh, the, where you are right because they they do have j- just in the first game alone is like an hour long soundtrack of just completely different tunes, and mm. if you take almost all of those songs and try to fit one of them with a battle theme, the only other way you can really pull it off effectively is to pull another battle theme on top of it. Right. Because if you, you know, if you think that's even a hard transition, try doing anything else with it. Because we've tried. <laughs> oh, I can imagine. <laughs> you know, we've tried putting like the Pokemon Center theme with it. Like we've tried doing the uh, what's what's the jingle for winning the battle. Like we've tried all of it. It's oh, wow. it's not easy to do. Yeah, yeah. So I guess that would explain why the, the this medley is made up of the title theme, the trainer battle, and the gym leader battle. Because those, those yeah. are all sort of like because the title theme. That's that's when you first start the game. That's the opening with what is it? Nido King and. Is it a Jiggly? Who's fighting? Nidorino and uh, Gengar. There you go. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> my wife's going to kill me for not knowing that. Smooshy thing and pointy thing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I like to call them. Yeah. But yeah, no, that, so that, that actually makes a lot of sense. And I, I never actually realized how long the Pokemon soundtrack was. You, you said it's like it's an hour or so, but yeah now, yeah, now that I'm thinking of it, every town has its own theme. Yeah, yeah. You've got a couple different battle themes mm-hmm. and... Yeah, that never really. Every fit. route even has its own theme too. Yep, yep. Every route. That's right. Yeah. yeah. We could we could we could get into this conversation for a while because I, <laughs> I spent so long getting into it. Like they they have different. Just when you lock eyes with the trainer, they have different themes for those. The male and female have two different sounds. Uh, just like huh. Team Rocket, like getting into contact with them, they have their own battle theme too. Like there's a whole lot going on with huh. that game. Yeah. And then, God forbid, you get into Gen Two. Like, <laughs> then there's even more variation, and so on and so forth. The, huh. the later the generations go. Yeah, I never realized how uh, how sort of in depth they got when they uh, when they put this together. That's really actually amazing. Uh, it makes you want to go back yeah. and, and give another listen to a lot yeah. of this stuff. Hmm. But it, it does make you think too, because when you when you go back to the Game Boy and what it was capable of with audio, it, it was almost the same thing as the. Uh, as the as the NES, hmm. where they were only capable of so many tracks at one time, they were only capable of uh, what was it three three voice three synth tracks and one noise track. That's hmm. why when you're walking into a wall or something, you'll actually hear it cut out one of the tracks for right. the music at the same time while yep. sound effects are going off. That that yep. whole deal. That's the uh, same reason that the the entire soundtrack doesn't have any drums. So like when you were saying before how the original version sounds slower, mm-hmm. it's because the the drums aren't there, you know? Like, when I, when I was writing the parts for this, because I, I had total freedom to do what I wanted with this, I <laughs> kind of riffed off what the bass was doing, tried to grab the, the rhythm from there. Makes sense, go with the rhythm and, section, yeah. And just be back and forth, like, da, 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 it lends perfectly to a classic thrash beat. Yeah. So, like, just the back and forth, it makes it seem a lot faster than it actually is when realistically it's just double time. It's the exact same tempo. Oh, okay. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, that does raise that, though. When we play it live, we do play it a lot faster. Oh, yeah. <laughs> than we do with the recording. That's we, we typically play how, how most bands play with live. <laughs> yeah, we get a little hyped up and I get carried away and it's uh, it's game over from there. Yeah. <laughs> game over. Yeah. Uh, but the... Music here kind of is like at points like yeah you mentioned thrash and I can totally see that especially that dent 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 that I could totally see but I was going with like like if if there was such a thing as like progressive punk music 
aggressive. You know, punk. like a lot of it just is really, really fast and aggressive. Yeah. But at the same time, there's all those all the craziness that's behind these Pokemon tracks, like especially that spiraling out of control type stuff. Yeah. That that's all very progressive elements, and it, hmm. it just kind of gets like ham fisted in with this other thing. <laughs> it's like a giant turducken. Is that a Pokemon? <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, but right. uh, you know, they they actually have a word for progressive punk. It's uh it's called thrash metal. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Fair enough. <laughs> you got me. Oh yes. <laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I didn't even want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's perfectly okay. You can tear Mike apart. I you know, uh, Metallica was my first favorite heavy metal band. And I've always only considered them thrash metal, and I never, well, at least, especially their older stuff, and maybe some of their newer stuff. That definitely changed it. uh, Well, some of their newer stuff is more along the lines of that. I was about to ask you which album. Yeah. (laughs) Well, like uh, like Death Magnetic, and then their their other uh, newest one, whichever one just came out. The other one that doesn't matter. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing else matters. No. (laughs) Ooh, okay. All right, all right. This That's guy. the album we're gonna go with. <laughs> this guy. No, no, we're definitely not. I just that had to throw totally. that reference. What is everyone's experience with Pokemon? Me, I, I played the first game. That was it. I, I, my brother was obsessed with it, and he's seven years younger than me. I'm an '80s kid, so like, to me, I was in high school when Pokemon came out. And like, yeah. I would watch the anime with him, but like, he was all jazzed up about it. He got red and blue, and I think I borrowed one, and I was playing one, and then I would borrow the other and play the other one. And I was like, eh. This isn't really grabbing me. And then I remember I got yellow just because I wanted to play Pikachu because I really love Pikachu. And then I was like, all right, I'm done with this. And I never played any other Pokemon games, but he kept going. He yeah. did the Game Boy Advance ones, the uh, the DS ones. I think he stopped around the DS, hmm. I think. I don't think he has a 3DS, but what about you, Justin? Uh, well, I played red when it came out. I didn't yeah. play blue. I had friends that had blue. Um, I also enjoyed the anime a lot, and then I never really picked up the the other ones. I didn't I didn't pick up yellow because it just seemed really cheap to me. I was like, it's mm. the same it's the same game except you play as Pikachu, you get Pikachu whatever. Like right off the bat. Uh, yeah. As the other games came out, they started introducing more and more things, and to me at the time, I was just like, eh, they're just overcomplicating things. Mm. So I, I just kind of didn't follow it. And then years later, uh, I came back at Diamond. And I was like, oh, wow, this is actually still really fun and still pretty cool. So mm-hmm. I did, uh, I think, so I went, what was Gen 1, Gen 4, 5, and 6. And I, I haven't really, the, what are the last ones that, the, that, that that came out? I can't even remember the name. Was it X and Y? Yeah. Yeah. Sun and Moon. Sun, Sun and Moon, Moon just right. came out, yeah. Um, yeah. I, Fairly recently. I don't think I got Sun and Moon. I know mm. I got... Why? I got Y because my wife got X. Do they have one on the Switch? Is that Sun and Moon? No, that's Sword and Shield. That's coming out uh, in November, November this year. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Pokemon fans must be hyped for that that's, game. Yeah, we were talking about it at the beginning. Right, my, my, right. my wife is going absolutely crazy over over this because they're they, they're releasing videos like every every couple of weeks, and the most mm. recent video was apparently very tantalizing. But she just she just wants those final evolutions. Right, right. <laughs> uh, what about you guys? Pokemon Blue was like my literally my first video game that I ever played. Played, uh, I've been hooked. I've played every uh, main series game since then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I started with Gold. I, I played like a little bit of that again. That same friend who who I played Mario with and who told me to play drums. He, <laughs> I, I saw him playing Pokemon Red. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. But didn't have a Game Boy at the time. And by the time I got one, Gold came out. So been playing ever since. I got I've gotten every mainstream game since then. Yeah, same. 
I couldn't have been any older than six, but I remember picking up the the N64 with the bundle pack when it came with Pokemon Stadium. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, that yeah, I remember the day we brought that home actually. Hmm. So that was that was actually the first one I played. I was into the anime before that. It probably about a year or two, maybe two years later, I got a copy of Pokemon Silver. And oh, that's yeah. when I actually started playing it. Then, the uh, silver and gold, I think, right? Yeah, yeah that's yeah. Gen 2. But I, I had a copy of gold, uh, a copy of silver and a copy of crystal, but I was already playing silver, so I gave my brother crystal, actually. Uh. And then, uh, you know, later on we got into Gen 3, and it wasn't until after Gen 3 that we got Gen 1 games that started playing those. Okay. But uh, that's, yeah, that was the general direction we went in with that. Cool. Junichi Matsuda. Yep, we've talked a little uh, a little bit about Junichi previously when we did the Game Boy episode. Mostly involved in just all of the Pokemon games. Started doing music in 1989 with Mendel Palace, and then I'm not going to go through all of the Pokemon games because they are listed on every single one, including the the remakes like Soul Silver and Fire Red, all the way up to. Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon in 2017, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu in 2018, that's the uh, the, the Switch, the sort of Pokemon Go-related game. Outside of the Pokemon games, I have Odoru. Ah, it's a Pokemon game, never mind. <laughs> Odoru, Pokemon Ongakutai. Pokemon uh, Odoro sounds like, again, the deodorant thing. Like, <laughs> it's just a Pokemon game that's actually deodorant. It's like they're really just trying to ham-fist that deodorant in, like true. a turducken. True. Um, in fact, from 1998 on, everything, every one of their audio credits is a Pokemon game. So hmm. we'll go through their, their. What they didn't do in Pokemon is Magical Taru Ruto Kun in 1992. That was a Genesis game. That was a game. Game. What's the name of the company? Game Freak that makes Pokemon? Yes, Game Freak. Game Freak, game Freak has worked on very little outside of Pokemon. They did do mm. that game. Yep. They did uh, Drill Dozer. I'm sure Drill Dozer's on there. Not for, no? Not, okay. Not, not for... Uh, so it must Kenichi. have been a different composer. Yeah. Okay. They also have Mario and Wario 93. Okay. And uh, Pulseman in 1994. Oh, and, yes. And the last uh, non-Pokemon game they have on here is Bushi Seriyuden Futari no Yusha in 1997. Oh, okay. Okay. That Mario and Wario game, I think, is a exclusive to Japan. But it's supposed to be really fun. Yeah, yeah it's, uh, it's an SNES title. Yep, yep. All right. So... We're rounding the corner. This is our last track before we say farewell to our friends in Super Thrash Brothers. But we have some more questions for them that we'll ask after the break. But for now, let's listen to their Star Fox medley. And then afterwards, we'll follow it up with a Star Fox tune.
All right, that was the medley from the Super Thrash Brothers for Star Fox, one of my favorite franchises. This is Star Fox on the Super NES. This came out in 1993, and the track that we're going to be listening to is the Venom stage theme, and it's by Hajime Hirasawa. That was my final pick. That was the Star Fox medley from Super Thrash Brothers. And then right after that, we played the Star Fox Super NES Classic. It came out in 1993, way back when. And that was Venom Base Parts 1 and 3, and it's by Hajime Hirasawa. So right off the bat with this track, I know I didn't notice with the original Star Fox song, there was little, like... Violins or something, the dun, 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 like oh, yeah, like yeah. you hear that, but then you got digga 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 dun dun digga digga digga. You've got those very very fast, speedy classical overtones that kind of flow through that track. <laughs> but I think that these guys really kind of picked that up when they were working on Star Fox medley. And I'd say they punched it up. Yeah. yeah. I, well, I mean that's the thing is like this medley flows so perfectly and, and so easily together from one part to another that you almost forget that you're listening to a Star Fox like medley. Yeah. You just are like, oh, I'm listening to just the entire Star Fox <laughs> OST in one shot. One tra- yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it just, th- the way that they made everything flow together sounds, again, so perfect. Uh, I, I, I would agree with that, mostly because when, when I was listening to this. So I'll start off by saying that I love Star Fox, but I am not as familiar with the soundtrack as I would like to be. Okay. I've played the SNES game numerous times when I was mm. a kid. The N64 game a handful of times, mm. but I always get so focused on what's going on that I don't feel that I really notice the music all that much. I don't okay. really pay, pay enough attention to it to really mm. say that I'm familiar with the soundtrack. Mm. So the track that you guys did to someone who doesn't feel as familiar with it felt like just one solid track it didn't feel as much like a medley as yeah. these other ones that I am more familiar with yeah. it was just like one solid four minute track that's how you know that the transitions are working well and also the thing I wanted to comment on is um, Corneria yeah. is a very heavy metal song you know it's got those like synth hits that kind of the orchestra synth hits that kind of pop in now and then that really bring life to the track and give it a, kind of a genre outside of just heavy metal with a that shreddy guitar. Yeah, yeah. And while you don't really necessarily get the exact synth hits with these guys, uh, I still think that they nail the overall feeling and vibe of that heavy metal track and continue it all throughout the rest of the medley 
not really dropping a beat, not really dropping back down to a classical mm. music vibe, <laughs> just kind of like flourished with guitar. It's it's like yeah. metal all the way, and it's balls to the wall. So yep, yeah. But uh, for you guys, when you were putting together these tracks, I know you specifically went for the first Star Fox game. Were your intentions ever to maybe explore some of the other ones, like maybe Star Fox 64 or some of the later games like Command or Assault or any of those other games? Or were you like, no, we're definitely going to do Super NES, like that's the classic one, that's the retro one, we're going to do that one? Where did Star Wolf come from, Ryan? Yeah, we actually pulled a couple elements from, you know, future segments. Like, Star Wolf is from N64, and we listened, we did listen to, like, Star Fox Assault. We listened to, like, a bunch of different versions yeah. of that, but we really chose which one fit the best. Mm-hmm. And then also, Venom has this B section that we kind of pulled from the Cornaria stage in Super Smash Bros. Melee. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense, actually, now that I think about it. Because if you listen to the track in Smash Brothers, like that's what they're pulling it from. Which duh Oh yeah yeah. <laughs> Super Thrash Brothers. Yeah, you'll hear something similar in Brinstar from Metroid 2, actually. That whole B section is the same deal. We actually pulled that from a uh, Smash Bros mm-hmm. rendition. Very nice. Sorry, Eric, totally cut you off. No, it's fine, it's fine. I was just gonna comment on like both of those set B sections actually are where we get like the most like heavy breakdowny parts of those two tracks. Mm. And that's the stuff I go for. Yeah, I love, <laughs> I love those those heavy breakdowns. As far as pulling from the original games, like the SNES games, you'll notice this. Like F Zero is like that for Metroid. We went back to the earliest version of that. I think that's got a lot to do with at the time of picking the songs for that album, me being a stickler specifically, was uh, going back for easier references and finding the OG version of it. Because like you guys had said with Metroid, Mm. it was like when you were playing it. Right. You know, like trying to pull that out of it. Kind of like with Bowser's Castle, you you get that same feeling of hopelessness in it. Like if you were to find a newer rendition from like the Wii or something. Right. and re-record it, you wouldn't get that same feeling. Mm-hmm. Right, that's true. And especially going from chiptune to a more like live orchestral setting, like a lot of these uh, games have gone with, well, most mm. of them, not really Mega Man, but uh, a lot of the games end up doing like really big band stuff or orchestra type stuff. That's not something that you would normally see from a video game music cover band. So it's, Yeah, that, that stuff's a little harder. Like yeah. when, when you go back to like Game Boy, Game Boy Advance, or the NES, the SNES, uh, N64, and like GameCube. Once we hit like GameCube or like, yeah, even that's kind of pushing it. Sometimes it, it's it starts getting harder because of what their hardware was capable of, where sure. they could have like eight thousand tracks of <laughs> live recorded stuff. You yeah, know? It, it's not like back in the day where you got like three, four max. Oh sure, I mean Redbook Audio totally changed the game. Yeah, <laughs> on on everything. So, so do you guys have a star, a favorite Star Fox game? I would probably have to say Assault, personally. There's so much variety to it, and I, I played the hell out of the multiplayer with that one with my friends. Nice. I put a lot of time into Star Fox 64. That was the one I definitely played the most. But I really liked the idea of like Star Fox Adventure. If they were to like bring that back for Switch, like a, like a newer, like make a new one in that same style, I think that'd be really cool. I would say Command is my favorite. That's the, the one, DS one, That's right? the DS one. I played that. That was a lot of fun, too. That was awesome. And that took a lot of elements from 2, actually. Hmm. So all the stuff where uh, you control your ships and you have to, like, 
there's a little bit more strategy behind it as far as like you have the map and you're supposed to move your ships in a specific path yeah. so that they can pick up missiles and like disarm different like enemies and whatnot and in command it's a little different because you actually go and fight whatever you end up coming across on the map mm. and I thought command was really well done it had branching paths to the storyline too which was really cool so if you're a big storyline nut for Star Fox games definitely well worth it I think it's the most well I, I, in my opinion that's probably the best Star Fox game Wow, I feel wildly out of place here. I uh, never played any of them until oh. uh, we were putting this medley together, and I wanted to get a better idea of what we were doing. I actually went out and bought the first Star Fox okay. and, and played it just to get you know an idea of what was going on so we could capture that immersion. That's really cool. It's always fascinating to me to hear somebody say, I've never played this game. It's a classic. I'm playing it for the first time, and like... Everyone has different experiences then mm -hmm. because it's a different world now. Like growing up with these it games, is. like I grew up with Star Fox. Like I remember getting it when it came out, uh, just like being blown away at the graphics. And like I can't imagine playing Star Fox now, the original Star <laughs> Fox, for the very first time and being like, oh yeah, this is pretty cool. Like I, I feel mm -hmm. like I would look at it from like yeah. my modern eyes and be like, oh, like what's going on? This is so slow and polygony and yeah, yeah yeah it's it's not at all the same that's i think that's why our our backgrounds in different games help like personally i'm a big zelda nut mm -hmm. and you know ryan's got mega man under his belt and i i can't bring up some of the stuff from the next album we're doing because i don't want to i don't want to rush that but mm -hmm. it, it it helps to do that and it, it kind of pushes you to trust a little bit mm -hmm. like if there's a series i don't know about because our, our whole thing is to capture that immersion right to capture that nostalgic that first ping that you feel when you hear that song and you go oh i know this song mm -hmm. like i remember playing this you know so you got to trust who knows that game well like if it's a game that i don't know the best i can do is go listen to the soundtrack and just make sure that it's accurate i can't capture that nostalgic feeling hmm. so you gotta let somebody else in our group do that if that makes any sense yeah it totally does that's really that's yeah. pretty cool that seems like it works out really well actually yeah huh. been working so far <laughs> <laughs> good stuff so hajime hirasawa i mean we've I don't necessarily know if we've talked about him too much, but he has not done all that much. Most of his credits are just for the original Star Fox game. Hmm. I am finding that he's he's done some other stuff as well that he's labeled on, but like it's more like featured tracks. It's not necessarily like stuff that he's done specifically. I can't really find any other composer stuff on here other than Star Fox. So I think he just did Star Fox stuff. I'm almost positive that he ended up becoming like a professor or a teacher somewhere or something like that. Hmm. But he's most well known for doing the very first Star Fox. Uh, he was not involved in composing the sequel. That was uh, Kozue Ishikawa and uh, Yumiko Kanki. But his style of the more like hard rock kind of mixed with orchestral was kind of abandoned for a more just like orchestral overall yeah. orchestral vibe which i'm fine either way i preferred like star fox 1 and star fox 2 because i feel like they captured an essence of that merging between like orchestral and hard rock and also like a lot of like funk elements too like a lot yeah. of like really cool bassy type stuff so. yeah 
So this is the point of the episode where we pick our favorite tracks. Now it's going to be a little different this time because we're going to also pick our favorite medley from Super Thrash Bros. So we're all going to pick, including the guys from the band. So let's let them go first since they're the guests of honor. So guys, what are your favorite picks for your tracks? And then what are your favorite picks for the tracks that we picked out of the original compositions? Okay, so as far as like the album goes, I think the Mario medley came out just sounding the best. It's just like really powerful when it finally gets out of the creepy section and hits that like bass drop Mm -hmm. and like that uh, dive bomb. As far as like the OG songs, I really dig Venom and Ridley. Okay. So for me, I I'm a little little biased towards Star Fox for <laughs> obvious drum solo reasons. <laughs> <laughs> for the uh, original stuff, the original music, I would have to go with Pokemon Trainer Battle. It's just there's so much going on. It's so powerful and it's so well put together. Nice. I'll start with the original first. I'll say Bowser's Castle, hand down for the original. As far as ours go, I'm torn between the Mario and F-Zero. Because those two, to me, are great. But uh, I, I guess I would say F-Zero as a whole. Right. Uh, yeah, if I had to pick for ours like an entire medley, I would say F-Zero. Okay, fair enough. Cool. I'm going to go with Star Fox for the medley. Okay. I think that that is the most unique sounding of the bunch. They really did a great job of combining both the orchestral and metal environments for that. But for original, I'm going to go with Flashman. Mega Man 2. I had a feeling. Yeah, I did. I'm also going to go with Flashman. Okay. Uh, that, that's why I had a feeling you were going to go for that, because <laughs> I was... Not that we often pick the same thing, <laughs> but just... Like, I, I was leaning towards Flashman, and I was just like, I, have, I feel like Mike might go for Flashman. It, it was torn between that and Bowser's Castle, just because of the, you know, the nostalgia <laughs> for Larry's yeah. Castle. Yep, of course. Yeah. And for the Super Thrash Brothers tracks, I am going to have to go with the Mario medley. Mm. It was just a really well put together piece. I really liked the the creepy Luigi's Mansion stuff. And then once you get out of that into the Bowser's Castle piece, it it just, it really got me going. Creepathon. So before we really wrap up here, I want to let you guys kind of get on top of a soapbox here and give our listeners the what for as far as how they can find you where they can listen to you where they can purchase your music because they should give us all yeah, the we deets. did we, we did. did yeah we did yeah we bought so, their album what's up that. guys now the fans <laughs> that's, buy it. Fair. that's yeah. right give your money to these people <laughs> so where can we find you guys on the web and where can we get your stuff uh, I mean, the best place to find our everything is at superthrashbros.com. It's got links to all of our social medias, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You, you know the you know the deal. Right. And that's uh, bros. It's just bros, not brothers. It's superthrashbros.com, right? Correct. Yeah. We've got a Patreon. We've got YouTube. We've been streaming on Twitch. We just recently started a Nuzlocke race against a fellow streamer of ours. Okay. Uh, yeah, superthrashbros.com will take you everywhere you need to go. You can buy our album digitally or physically there. You can buy all of our merch there. Um, each each of our site kind of offers something different. Like Twitch is cool because you, you get to interact with us and all that. YouTube, we just we throw stuff up there from time to time, whether it's live videos or uh, older Patreon videos, because that that's kind of what that deal is. If you go to our Patreon, you you get behind the scenes footage and stuff like that. You, get a little recognition on those videos if you're a higher tier donor you know you get your name thrown up there and all that cool 
Yeah, it's each each thing's got something different for everyone. We don't just go to every site and just plaster the same. I mean, we do, but you know, every, <laughs> everything's got a little extra to it. Right, that right. You find everywhere else. For sure. Very cool. Can we do a bit with uh, what's it called? Like upcoming shows? Oh, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Sure. Yeah, go for it. They can catch us at Retro Game Con in Syracuse, uh, November second and third. There nice, you go. Nice. Awesome playing the after party it's gonna be pretty crazy yes that's awesome yeah i actually really I, I was really kind of wanting to go because lame genie i believe is going to be there as well there are buddies too so. syracuse and they are great we love them to death yeah they're super fun i have a friend who lives up in near syracuse i <gasps> might have to see what there i can do go. there you go <laughs> nice more light bulbs <laughs> <laughs> So, we'd like to take a moment to thank our Patreon patrons, without whom this show's continued improvement would be impossible. They are Alex Messenger, Scott McElhone, Cam Worma, Chris Murray, Kung Fu Carlito of the Heroes 3 podcast, Jordan and Anson Davis, Chris Myers, Jeremy Rutz, Peter Panda, Brad Austin, and the Autistic Gamer 89. If you would like to become a patron, you can sign up at patreon.com slash xvgmradio. There you can see the different tiers as well. Just $1 gets you a thank you and access to our monthly live shows. You can visit our website, xvgmradio.com, where you can listen to all the episodes and learn more about your hosts, as well as any of our guests or composers that we've had on the show. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can always email us at xvgmradio at gmail.com. And if you'd like what you've heard, please consider giving us a rating on iTunes and a review. You can also join our Facebook group and chat with other VGM lovers at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash xvgmradio, where we talk about everything from current game news to sharing awesome VGM tracks or just talking about the podcast itself. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle for both of those sites is at XVGM Radio. If you don't have any other social media or just want to try something unique, check us out on our Discord group chat. Links will be in the show notes. All right, so that does it for us here at XVGM Radio. Again, we want to thank our guests of honor, Super Thrash Brothers. Great having you guys on. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having us. Thank you, kind sirs. It was a blast. Absolutely. So now, what are we moving on to next, Justin? So the next episode is going to be an interesting episode because we are doing a panel at Retro World Expo here in Connecticut on September 28th and 29th. Yep. It's up in the Connecticut Convention Center in Hartford, Connecticut. So if you're going to be in the area or you're going to be there, come find us. We'll be around. I'm going to wear my... XVGM Radio t-shirt on Saturday because that is the day that we have a panel. Yeah, that makes the most sense. I'll probably wear mine too. <laughs> yeah. But our panel this year is at Room C, Panel Room C. Yep. It's at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Yep. And it's going to be a Super NES versus Genesis episode. Yeah. Kind yeah. of a monumental episode to take on. <laughs> uh, but we're going to be doing focus on audience participation. So that'll be the big focus. It's more going to be more about like getting cheers, getting big listens. Hopefully we get a pretty decent crowd. 
Yep, yep. It's going to be a little different than our regular episodes because mm-hmm. our regular episodes, we usually shoot for about an hour and a half, two hours. We yeah. only have an hour for this panel. Right. It's going to so, be music first. Yeah, so we are, we are going to be focused very much on getting the music played and then getting reactions from the audience to sort of let folks that are there choose, you know, who the winner is. Right. It's a constant war between, you know, the SNES and the Genesis. <laughs> and we're going to we're gonna solve it once and for all. Well, I don't know if we're going to solve it, <laughs> but we're certainly going to add some colorful commentary yes, to the discussion. Yes, we will. <laughs> So be there or be, I don't know. Pixel-shaped. Be pixel-shaped? Square. Oh. (laughs) Sure. That works. (laughs) Yes. It's going to be a lot of fun. I'm excited to be on a panel. I do a bunch of panels all throughout the year, but the XVGM stuff I'm super excited about. Yeah. I haven't done a panel in in a number of years. I used to to do gaming panels at some gaming conventions, Mm -hmm. so this will be fun. Cool. Awesome. All right. So this is Mike and Justin signing off for XVGM Radio. He did this game. I don't know if you've heard of it, Justin. Um, shoot, what's it called? The Legend uh, of Zelda? Like, like um, History of Link. <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> like Journey of Octorok. Journey of Octorok. Journey of Octorok. <laughs> I think that one was Ganon's Quest, actually. Oh, Ganon's was, Quest. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah you're right. Yeah. Legend of Zelda is obviously yeah. the name I'm going for. So, it's funny because before he said anything, that's exactly what I was like. He's going to say Zelda. He's going to say Zelda. Yeah. It's Legend of Zelda. Uh, Legend of Zelda. So, Le- Legend of Zerudo. Legend. Le- <laughs>